Give it up for Teen Challenge. They are an awesome ministry I've been aware of for over a decade now. I've had people that I love and care for go through Teen Challenge before and have their lives transformed. It's, a, it's an excellent ministry, and they're here because we want to partner with them, and we hope to partner with them through our Kingdom Builders Initiative uh, as we move forward towards the end of the year. And, and so we invited them to come and kind of share a little bit. So I'm excited to get into the Word with you today. Um, and we'll do things a little differently in this sermon than we normally do. I'll, I'll have some guys, three guys, three men from, from Teen Challenge come and share towards the end of my message uh, just uh, to help uh, with the, the sermon today. It's going to be really, really good. But let's jump into it. Uh, we've been studying this idea presented in First Peter through the summer that, that we are, as Christ followers, set apart, right? We've been talking about being set apart and what that actually means. And Peter, the Apostle Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, begins this letter by addressing it to us as, as elect exiles. So the elect part is that we are chosen, set apart for heaven. We're set apart for something greater than here. Our citizenship is not here, it's in heaven. That is our future hope. But then he says we're also exiles. In other words, we are called to be here for a purpose. We're left on earth for a reason. We don't go to heaven right when we give our lives to Jesus Christ. Right? We're left with a purpose. We're chosen, set apart for here. That's our, that's our present reality. So future hope and present reality. And each week we've talked about another way that, that God has set us apart and what we're set apart for. And so we talked about how we are set apart for hope and we're set apart for holiness set apart for service set apart for submission last week we talked about being set apart for humility if you've missed any of those messages make sure you grab them online so that you can catch up and understand today's message in its context today we'll look at first peter 3 8 through 22 first peter 3 8 through 22. Before we get into it, though, I do want to tell you that this passage has a lot in it about the very biblical idea of suffering, suffering for the sake of the gospel, and the idea that your life is not supposed to be easy and comfortable. And so it has a lot in it about that, and yet I'm not going to dive deep into that today, because two weeks from now, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the, the Apostle Peter writes about that again. And so in two weeks from now, we're going to cover that uh, in our whole sermon. And I'm excited about that Sunday because I'm inviting a guest speaker. Uh, his name is Dan Herod. He's author of the book Suffer Well. And so um, it's going to be an awesome Sunday. That's the 28th. Don't miss that as we talk about uh, suffering and First Peter and Dan Herod's going to help us do that. So what I'll focus on today is this idea in this passage that Peter, the Apostle Peter, presents to us that we are set apart for blessing. Everybody say blessing. blessing. We are set apart for blessing. Now, we are confused when it comes to blessing, so I need to take a few moments uh, just to help us correct that a little bit. So let me say two things about that. First, in our culture, when we say someone is blessed, what we tend to mean is that things are going well for them. Things are going well for them. Everything is going well. Like, great day at the beach today, hashtag blessed, right? Now that's, that's what we talk about. Like, my husband is so great 
He worked hard all day for our family and brought me Starbucks. Hashtag blessed. Right? And that's what we do. Test came back negative. Hashtag blessed. Got the new job. Hashtag blessed. New house, new boat, new car, new shirt, new phone. New product that makes my curls look just right. Hashtag blessed. I mean, this is us, right? Blessing to us is, is that things are going good. And by good, we mean comfortable, safe, secure. And oftentimes we mean rich. That we're rich, that we have stuff. And that's how we define blessing. The, the problem with that view of blessing is the Bible. That's the only problem, though. It's the Bible. The Bible teaches that blessing is found in following God and his will no matter the cost. The Bible teaches that there's actually a cost, that you're going to be uncomfortable, that you're not going to be safe at all times, that you're not going to have everything you want in your life. You're not always going to be healthy and wealthy. In fact, you may never be healthy, physically healthy and wealthy, right? But, but, but that's not our idea of of blessing. But that's what the Bible teaches, that we are to follow, that blessing is following God's will no matter the cost. So blessing may include moving your family to a new location when it's not ideal as far as the kids' ages go because God has called you there. That, that may be God's blessing on your life. Blessing includes maybe not getting all the new stuff, not getting the new job, not getting the, new, the, the higher income because God knows that if you got that stuff, you would center your life around it, and that's the worst thing that could happen to you. That is, that is blessing. Blessing may include sickness, suffering, persecution. The way of Christ, following his will, no matter what, that's blessing. And that's about self-denial, isn't it? The way of Christ, it's about picking up the cross daily, this instrument of execution, picking it up daily and following Jesus Christ. It's about self-denial, struggle, perseverance, open-handed living. So we have, a, we have a very skewed view of blessing in our lives and in our culture, and that, that's, that's something we should seek to correct. That's something we should seek to correct. The second thing is that when I said Peter is going to teach us that we're set apart for blessing, most of you thought what I meant by that is that you're set apart to receive blessing, right? Most of you immediately thought, okay, we're going to talk about how we're going to be blessed. And that, that, is, that is part of this for sure. But what we're going to talk about today is how we're set apart for blessing others, how we're supposed to be a blessing, how we are, if you are a Christ follower, you are blessed in every way to be a blessing to those around you in this world. So we tend to think of blessing as something we receive from God rather than something that flows from God to us, through us, and to other people. That's the way blessing is supposed to happen. It's supposed to work. If your blessing is getting to you and stopping, 
then you have a wrong view of blessing. Blessing is supposed to get through you to other people. Are you tracking with me? Okay, three of you are with me so far. It's second service. I'm used to it. So with that in mind, um, let's read our passage for today. I'll, I'll read you the whole thing, 1 Peter 3, 8 through 22. It's a little long, so try to stay awake and listen. Um, I'm, I'm going to just point out what this text says about how you are blessed, we are blessed, and, and how we are to be a blessing. How does that translate into us being a blessing? And then I'll invite the guys up from Teen Challenge uh, to share how God has worked this out in their lives. So verse 8 of 1 Peter uh, chapter 3 says this, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. Everybody say bless. bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Verse 13. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. So suffering and blessing, they're not the opposite sides of things. They can go hand in hand. Have no fear of them, those who are causing you problems, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Look at verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Verse 21. Let's just skip over that like it didn't happen. Verse 21. Baptism which corresponds to this, now saves you. As a removal of dirt, not as a removal of dirt, I was thinking that sounds wrong, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers, having been subjected to him. All right, a lot in there. We won't get into it all, but verse 9 is our anchor verse, so let me kind of get us centered on that. Verse 9, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, bless, for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Bless, this is what you were called to, bless others. Be a blessing. And then the Apostle Peter, he quotes Psalm 134. If you look in your Bible, if you have it, um, it, it the text is kind of set off differently and it looks like a poem or something it's because he's quoting Psalm 134, okay? And so we're going to spend uh, most of our time in that part. But let's look at this text from two angles. How we are blessed, so, so the heaven view, 
How are we blessed? And then let's, let's look at it from the angle of how are we to be a blessing. So the earth view. So we'll start with the heaven view, and then we'll look at the earth view. What does it mean to be blessed according to Peter? How are we blessed? Verse 12 is the answer to that. This is how the apostle Peter defines blessing in this text. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. That's blessing according to Peter. That God's eyes are on you. He's watching you. In other words, he cares for you. He cares about what's going on in your life. And he listens to your prayers. This is blessing. That the creator and sustainer of all that is has the time and the will and the love for you that it would take to watch you, care for you, and listen to you when you pray to him. This is blessing. But there's a caveat in this verse, isn't there? There's a requirement. Because you go, what's the catch? How do I get the creator and the sustainer of the universe to watch me, care for me, listen to me? What's the catch? There is a catch. The catch in this verse is that this kind of blessing belongs to whom? I, should I do that again? You know from previous sermons, I can, I can repeat myself really well. So that blessing, this blessing, it belongs to whom? The righteous. It belongs to the righteous. And that takes us right back to where we started with blessing. Following God's will. That's what righteousness means. That you follow the commands of God. That you follow God's will. And so do you want to be blessed? In that God cares for you, listens to you, listens to your prayers, watches you. Do you want to be blessed? Of course you do. You should want to be blessed in that way. If you, if you didn't say yes to sin, you missed the blessing. That was your last chance. You just missed it. I'm kidding. But of course you want to be blessed. Then, then just follow God's will. That's all you have to do. Just be righteous. Just be righteous. That's bad news. Isn't it? How many of you are like, that's bad news. I can't, I don't, I can't be right. That's bad news because nobody in this room can be righteous. None of you has any shot at being righteous. I don't have any shot at being righteous. There has never been a human being who can be righteous. There's never been a human being who has lived in complete righteousness except Jesus Christ. Only Jesus has been able to pull this righteousness thing off. Only he has been able to be completely righteous. And so we're out of luck when it comes to obtaining God's blessing because you and I cannot be righteous. So what do we do? If we want God's blessing, not, not material things, not necessarily comfort or security or, or money or a new car or a new house or whatever, not necessarily those things, but if we want God's blessing and that he is the creator and sustainer of all that is, watches us, cares for us, t- listens to our prayers. If we want that kind of blessing, what do we do? If we want that, we're going to have to try to, we're going to have to figure out a way to appropriate the righteousness of Christ for ourselves, right? That's our only shot. 
to appropriate the righteousness, to somehow get the righteousness of Jesus to count as our righteousness because we cannot be righteous on our own. We have to somehow figure out how to get Jesus' righteousness to count as our own so that we can then obtain the blessing that 1 Peter 3 is talking about. But is that even possible? I mean, is it even, is it even a thing? Is it even possible? The answer is yes. The Bible calls it justification. Martin Luther called it the great exchange. What he meant by that is that Christ, or God, exchanges our lack of righteousness into work of he and he alone, exchanges our lack of righteousness or unrighteousness for the righteousness of Christ. And now, the righteousness of Christ, even though I can't do anything to be righteous, has been given to me and appropriated for me. We now don't have the incomplete righteousness of man. We have the complete righteousness of Christ. The seminary term for this is imputed righteousness. And it's not just jargon. It sounds like jargon. It's not just jargon. It's a cornerstone of our faith that by no work of our own, God exchanged his righteousness for our unrighteousness through the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. Hey, here's, here's how Peter says it. He, he quotes Psalm 134, says God's blessing is going to come to the righteous. And then we ask, how can we be blessed then? Because we are not righteous. We can't be blessed. Q verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. There's this great exchange happening. Imputed righteousness. And then, just to get our heads spinning, Peter talks about Jesus going to preach to spirits who were around when Noah was here and disobeyed. And, and I don't have time to talk about that. So I'm sorry. Um, much more brilliant minds than my own have tried and failed for centuries to explain this text. So I don't even have time to talk to you about that. So we're just going to move on from that. We're going we're gonna to move on from that. But he talks about Noah and the flood, and he likens Noah and the flood, or the, I should say he likens the floodwaters to baptismal waters, or baptism waters, right? He says, just like the eight people in Noah's family came through the waters of the flood to salvation, so we now come through the waters of baptism to salvation. And this one little phrase at the beginning of verse 21, it could, it could make you think that it's, it's actually baptism that saves you, like being baptized in water is actually what saves you. It can make you think that if you don't read the rest. The rest of the Bible, one, but also the rest of this verse. So it could, it could really get confusing if you don't read the rest of this verse. And many have used this verse to say, that baptism is what saves us. Now, the problem with that is that we just said that we cannot attain our own righteousness. Do you agree with that? And so if we, can, if we can be righteous before God by getting into a tank and having a priest, pastor, whoever, go, hey, name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, boom, dunk you and come out, and that's going to save us, then we can attain to our own righteousness. We don't need Jesus. Are you tracking with me so far? And so it can't be just baptism. You know that because you're solid, solid believers in Jesus 
and your theology is much better than mine, but let me explain it just in case. Verse 21 says this, baptism, which corresponds to this, Noah and his family coming through the flood, now saves you. If you stop there, you're like, oh, wait, baptism saves me. You got to read the rest of the Bible and this verse. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it's not the water that saves you, right? It's what the baptism water represents. Not a physical thing, not the removal of dirt. It's an appeal to God for a good conscience. In other words, when we, before we give our lives to Jesus, we don't have a good conscience. And we can't have a good conscience, right? We can't have righteousness, in other words. We can't be righteous. And so we appeal to God for a good conscience, for righteousness. He has to do it. Because broken things can't fix themselves. How many of you have tried to fix yourself? Yeah, d- d- how's it going for you? Like, is anybody just like, I'm done. <laughs> fix myself. <laughs> Attained righteousness, done. Nobody's doing that. Everybody who tries to, uh, to fix themselves, is, is just, it's just a, it's like beating your head against a brick wall, right? It just doesn't yield. It doesn't help anybody. It's, it's going, 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 but never getting there because you cannot attain to your own righteousness. God, you have to appeal to God for a good conscience. It's his work, his sacrifice, his power. He says in this text that it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we get there. Okay, you tracking with me so far? Okay, the same three are with me. Okay, so this is the blessing of God. This is the blessing that he watches, listens, cares for the righteous. And although we were never going to be able to be righteous, to become righteous, Jesus became our righteousness through his resurrection. This is, this is blessing according to the Bible. Our ultimate an eternal good displayed in Christ on the cross. That's blessing. That's blessing. So righteousness and blessing are connected and inseparable. But so far, so far in 1 Peter 3, this has been kind of a big, lofty, like cosmic thing, right? Heaven view. Like it's, this feels somewhat disconnected from our life here on earth, but Peter doesn't He doesn't leave it there. He gives us this earth view now. He goes, because of this ultimate and eternal blessing that you've gotten because of this great exchange of righteousness where now you have the righteousness of Christ at work in your life, because of that, you should probably act differently, right? Your life should actually look different than before. It should be different. The decisions you make, the actions you take, the, everything you do should look a lot different than it looked before because you, now you have the righteousness of Christ at work in you. And he gives us four practical ways uh, that we are to be a blessing. We've received this blessing to be a blessing. So he gives us four practical ways to do that. Now remember our, our anchor verse, verse 9. Bless, for to this you were called. Bless, for to this you were called. This is the how. The first three are from Psalm 134. This is how you act out your righteousness in Christ. This is how you be a blessing to others and position your life to obtain a blessing from God. Ready? Four things quickly. Number one, stop using your words for evil. 
Verse 10. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. You can use your words in one of two ways. To bless or to curse. That's what the Bible teaches. You can use your words in one of two ways. To bless or to curse. Those are your only options. That, the choice is yours within that. How you use your words. Peter goes, don't use them for evil. Don't speak deceit. When he's talking about deceit, he's talking about lying. Now some of you are like, well, I don't lie. Okay, but this is also talking about being duplicitous, which means you're living, duplicitous is a great word, you should write that down, you probably can't spell it, but being duplicitous, which means you're living a double life, right? You're different, you act differently in front of different groups of people. That's deceitful. If you are working two different groups towards the middle and you're saying different things to different people, that is deceitful. Are you tracking with me? And so he says, don't use your words for deceit. This, this could also mean, he says, don't use your word for evil. So you could definitely be tearing someone down directly, right? Yelling at someone, calling someone names, tearing them down directly. But you, this could also mean tearing someone down indirectly, not to their face. This could, this could include gossip and slander. Slander is just saying something bad about somebody, not to them. Even if it's true. That, that's slander. So this, this could be, using your words for evil could be doing that directly. It could be doing it indirectly. This can be your words that are said out loud. Words that are written. Words that are posted. Other people's words that you're sharing. That's all in this using your words for evil. So repent. Because Jesus is coming soon, right? That's the answer. Repent. Number two. Stop running. Number two. Stop running towards evil and do good instead. Verse 11. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Stop running towards evil and do good instead. This seems obvious, but come to find out, it's actually not that obvious. I disciple and counsel people a lot who just can't get this idea that we need to stop running towards evil. This evil thing that's in their life is causing destruction in their family, in the people they love most, and in their self, and between them and God. They know that it's evil. They know that it's causing this. And yet they cannot stop running towards this evil. It's because they need to give their lives over fully to Jesus, who is the only one who has the power to keep them from that. But this is not actually all that obvious. And this is not just about, Peter says, it's not just about not running towards evil, but it's about doing good instead. So you don't just stop bad stuff, and you don't fill your life with a bunch of neutral stuff. I think that's where a lot of us are. We have our lives filled with just neutral stuff that doesn't matter, and we count it as good, and it's not good. And, and Peter's going, no, 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 do good, blatantly good, righteous things. Put those into your life. Stop running towards evil and do good. Instead, number three, start pursuing peace at all times. The rest of verse 11, let him seek peace and pursue it. I want you to, I want you to notice the active nature of this. This isn't just, 
accepting peace when somebody comes along and wants to apologize to you. That's great, but that's not what this is talking about. This isn't just not stirring up trouble. I mean, that's a good, you shouldn't stir up trouble, right? This isn't just not stirring up trouble. I mean, this is not like just avoiding someone and calling it peace. That's not peace. Well, I'm just going to keep the peace. Going to keep the peace and just not talk to them. That's not peace. There's a problem between you and someone else that is unresolved. That is not peace. There's no peace there. This is act. This is seek, pursue, go after peace. This means you go talk to that person. This means you go offer the apology. This means you, you don't go to sleep tonight until you've called somebody and gone, hey, we've got a problem. First Peter just taught me today that I'm to seek and pursue peace. And so this is the beginning of that. Can we find a way to get peace into our relationship? It's not going to happen over one phone conversation, but you move in that direction. Pursue peace at all times. That's number three. Number four, start defending the reason for your hope. Start defending the reason for your hope. Look at verse 15. In your hearts, honor Christ. Honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. This one's, this one's huge, and it kind of it's different than the other three. Can it kind of takes us out of the realm of things that are blatantly sinful and blatantly righteous, right? Like, like the others, we're like, okay, yeah, we shouldn't use our words for evil. That's bad. And we should use our words for good. That's good. We shouldn't run after evil things. That's bad. We, we should do this. That's good. Pursuing peace is, is good, is obviously good. But, but, but it's not defending your faith a sin? I mean, it's, it's not telling others the reason for your hope. Telling them about Jesus and what he's done in your life. Sharing how he's transformed you. Is that a sin when you don't do that? Is it unrighteous? Is it a sin? If it is, we're in trouble, right? Because latest statistics say that only 2% of American church people, congratulations to your American church people. 2% of American church people have shared their faith with someone in the last 12 months. Just one person, only 2%. That means that if, if statistics hold strong, 98% of you have not defended, explained, or even mentioned the reason for the hope you have in Jesus to anyone. And you, can, you can think through that, right? You can think through, I'm not talking about other church people. <laughs> I'm talking about to people who don't know Jesus or might not know Jesus. Not your best friend who's in the church and you talk about Jesus stuff and you shine the light on the other light and you guys are a really bright light but there's no darkness. I'm not talking about that. We're really good at that, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about actually shining the light in a dark place. Somebody who doesn't know Jesus, a neighbor, a coworker, a friend, a family member who doesn't know Jesus. I'm also not talking about sharing the Christian post. 
Because some of you just check that off. You're like, no, I share stuff on Facebook all the time. No. Do that. Use that for Jesus. By all means, please, use your social media for Jesus as a tool of evangelism. But we're talking about actually talking to somebody. Standing next to them or on the phone or something, talking to somebody about the reason for your hope in Jesus Christ. 98% of you have not done that in the last 12 months. And yet, if, we, if we're called to be a blessing, if we're set apart for blessing others, then this, this is the greatest way that we can do that, right? This is the chief way that we can be a blessing to others. This is the main way. I mean, I mean back to number one, the most life-giving words we can speak to another human being are the words defending the hope we have in Jesus Christ, right? And, and number two, the, the, the biggest evil that we can, the greatest evil that we can cease is to cease remaining silent about the hope we have in Christ as hundreds of people cross our path day in and day out on their way to hell. What about number three? This whole thing is about peace. If we're pursuing and seeking peace, this whole thing is about peace. God making peace with us through Jesus. So if we're really seeking and pursuing peace, then we won't be able to shut up about what God has done to bring peace into our lives with the hope that he would do the same in other people's lives. That, that's, why, that's why I want to invite some guys from Teen Challenge to model this for us, to tell us the reason for the hope they have in Jesus Christ. Come on up, Steve. All right, good morning, church. Um, I'm Stephen, and I'd like to give you the reason for the hope that is in me. I didn't always have hope. First off, I was born with a mental condition called cerebral palsy. Uh, never to walk or talk, and here I am. There's God's first blessing in my life. Um, I, I love this sermon twice now I get to hear it this morning. And each time, like, I'm, I'm being said, it's hitting my heart both times. I really don't even want to talk about my past, but I'm going to. I'm going to just give you guys little bits and pieces. But I'm going to, through all my life, I'm going to tell you all the blessings that I could see through this time of, of despair. Um, growing up, I was brought up in the church. Uh, my grandmother had me there. My mother, uh, all the way to about the age of 13, I loved it. Around the age of nine, I started using marijuana. From marijuana, I went to methamphetamines, uh, hallucinogenics, alcohol, you name it, I'd done it. I loved it, lived it. That's my life pretty much, 20-plus years. Um, I've been in and out of prison. I've been in and out of treatment centers. Um, nothing like Teen Challenge. I'll give you that right now. There's nothing like Teen Challenge. Uh, and I'm going to explain more of that as I get a little bit farther into my uh, testimony here. Uh, throughout my life, um, I, I didn't know any other way. I hated hated myself, really, how I can put it. Um, I used drugs to, to numb myself. I used drugs to, to not care. Uh, man, this is awesome. You guys are full house today. Um, but uh, I, I had this time in my life where I didn't care about nobody. Now, none of you, even though you don't know me, I didn't care about you. I didn't care about myself. Um, but through that time, God blessed me. He blessed me. The family that, that has never given up on me, that's always shown me love, even though at times I didn't want a, a wonderful wife that I put through so much in the years we've been together. I didn't care about her. I cared about myself, and it's sad to say that, but it's the truth. 
and God has blessed me with that. He's blessed me with the opportunity to stand here today. He's blessed me the opportunity to meet all these guys in purple, our favorite color, and the burgundy, Joe, Mama Sue, Pastor Randy, the big PR. Everybody give your hand to PR. I love this man. I do. Um, See, I got a smile out of him. He's been a blessing to me. He really has, whether he knows it or not. Um, Every day, I struggle to stay here. I want to go home, but I will not. Um, I'm here because the Lord wants me here, and I know that his blessings upon me every day are, are just amazing. They really are. To be able to share with you guys is awesome. I just hope that I hit one heart out here, one person. To if you, if you struggle, man, Teen Challenge is where to come. Um, it, it's it's helped me. This is my seventh time in in a, in a facility, whether it was outpatient or inpatient, and nothing has worked. But giving my life to God and truly submitting, as James four seven says, my life first. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. If you truly do that, the blessings are endless. Um, I came into the program in January, January twenty fourth or twenty fifth. Uh, nine days after I was here. I fell out in what we love to do. We, we praise God. We sing in choir first Sunday in a while. We have a sung choir. But I uh, fell out, was rushed to OSF uh, to find out I possibly had a brain aneurysm. But after that, I went through middle, uh, more multiple tests to find out, which I already knew I had, I had heart problems, but not as bad as I thought. Um, my heart bumps flow slow. And it's God's blessing I'm here. I mean, I, I shouldn't be here. If, if the devil had his way, I'd be, I'd be gone. Um, and it's just awesome to what I get to do. And... And I always looked at life as, as what I needed in life, the blessings of the earthly things. We don't need none of that. I don't, at least. Um, when I leave Teen Challenge, I want to become a drug counselor. I want to help just one person, one family, not to live what I went through, what I put my family through, uh, and my community. Um, I was a nuisance. I, I, I'd, I'd rob you. I'd steal from you. I didn't care. So it's not just what, I, what I've done, even though all the times I look at it what I've done and what I can go through. Um, there's a chance I might still end up in prison due to the things I've done before I come into Teen Challenge. I look at it today as a blessing to get to go back. If I do, I don't want to go. Don't get me wrong. Nobody wants to go in due time. But if I have to go, it's a blessing. that I get to go share maybe with one other person and give them hope not to go back. Um, it's not a life that I want to live no more, and it's true. You know, it hasn't always been easy for me, but I am blessed, and and uh, I hope to be able to bless and, and to help one other person out here. And I just want to thank you guys for allowing us and me, myself, and all the brothers from Teen Challenge, even ones you don't get to hear, we thank you for allowing us to come. And uh, you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. Wow, he wasn't kidding. Uh, good morning, church. <laughs> Um, I'm here to just give uh, my reason for the hope that's in me because just like Stephen, you know, I haven't always had hope. Um, I grew up in a family. You know, we didn't go to church. I didn't hear um, much about Jesus Christ. So the love and the compassion of Jesus Christ never was, uh, was showed in my family. Um, alcohol, drugs, and sin was um, pretty relevant in my life growing up. So, um, you know... At a very young age, around the age of 10 years old, I started experimenting with alcohol and drugs. And, um, you know, at that age, your mind isn't even fully developed yet. So my mind, at a very young age, became altered by what was right and what I perceived to be right. And um, with that being said, you know, I, I didn't see any problem in what I was doing because all the people that I looked up to were doing the same things. 
So I thought that I was doing what the rest of the world would have conceived to be right in my life. Um, by the age of uh, 16 years old, I had already started getting into legal problems. Um, I'd been put on court supervision, probation. Um, I'd even been arrested on two occasions and held under the control of the, uh, the police department until my parents picked me up. And, um, you know, the group of people that I was riding with, they, um, they encouraged that. You know, they didn't tell me that I was doing anything wrong. They was telling me that that's the lifestyle that they wanted to see me in. And um, I grew up with a real hard, hard heart towards any, any of you guys. You know, I thought that you, I thought the church was fake. I ain't gonna lie. I thought that you guys were just a bunch of uh, showboaters just out there flashing your money, your cars, and all that. And, you know, the older I got, the more I realized that it wasn't that you guys were flashing it, it was that God was giving it to you, you know. God gives you those things. You know, the blessings, they might not be blessings, but it's part of the wisdom and the understanding that God gives to you guys to learn how to be stewards. And, um, you know, as I grow older, I start to realize that thing. And um, further on with my life, by the time I was 18 years old, I'd been so engulfed in drugs and alcohol. Um, I switched over from just marijuana and alcohol. Yeah, marijuana and alcohol to harder drugs. And with harder drugs comes harder desire and more of a desire. But, you know, through them years, I started losing family. I started losing trust. I lost relationships, and I lost who I was. Um, my hope became nothing. I didn't have any hope in myself anymore. Um, I started robbing, stealing, fighting, doing anything that I could do to feed the black wolf. And um, that wolf grew so strong that, you know, I ended up getting thrown in jail multiple times. I have multiple charges, felonies, misdemeanors, you call it. And, um, you know, like I said, I became comfortable with my identity in that. And um, first time I came into Teen Challenge was about three and a half years ago, four years ago. And it was because I'd lost the, um, the love of my life at the time, you know. Um, I lost her and she took my child out of my life. And I needed to uh, get that back. So the only way that I knew how to do that was to please them. I knew that they wanted me to get help, so I entered the doors of Adult and Teen Challenge. And... Um, I stayed for three months, and it's a 14-month program. I stayed for three months, and I felt good. I felt sober. Everybody that I lost was coming back into my life, so I walked back out the doors, and, um, you know, I went out into the world again, but it wasn't very long because I, I hadn't developed a foundation in Christ. I really didn't even de develop a relationship with him. So it wasn't long. Within six months, I was right back down into the same pit doing the same thing, still in the legal trouble. Um, and once again, everything got pushed out of my life. So I came back into the doors. And uh, I'm just going to speed it all up, man. I woke up this morning happy, healthy, sober, and, uh, you know, with a new mind. I came into these doors for the third time um, with a different attitude. You know, I don't have anything right now, folks. I've lost it all. I've lost a great job, the best job I ever had last year working down in Tennessee and uh, North Carolina. I lost a beautiful woman, two beautiful kids. They're still down there right now. I'm standing here. I got a duffel bag at home I could fill with the possessions I got. But I'm more full right now in my heart than I have ever been. And it's not because of nothing I'm doing. It's because of what Jesus Christ is doing through all these men, through Pastor Randy, through Joe. I mean, Jesus Christ, he has given me my hope back, and I know that. And, um, you know, every day I'm trying to remember that God wants us to be a blessing. And he doesn't, you know, and all these material things, they'll come. They'll come with it. They'll come with the good living, the stewardship the honesty, everything, because, you know, you put yourself in a good position, then there's people around you that are going to bless you with the materials. And if you're just looking for the materials, then God's not going to honor that. Um, you know, so I just thank Jesus Christ every day right now where he's given me three opportunities to come to this program and um, to get it right. So whenever I'm completed 
with this program, I'm going to stay with this program. I'm going to help others that are out there that are just like me, that are just looking for people to care and people to bless them, and I want to be a blessing. With that being said, after listening to a pastor's sermon two times, uh, a new verse was put on my heart, and it was uh, Ephesians 1, verse 2. Yeah, Ephesians 1. No, verse 3. Um, blessed be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, bless him by blessing others. Um, because he has already blessed us. He already gave us all the blessings that we need through his son, Jesus Christ. And thank you all for listening. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm Colin Adams, and I'd like to give you the reason for the hope that, that is inside of me. Um, I'm 27 years old. I'm, I'm from Decatur, Illinois. And my childhood was very, I was very gracious to have, I'm very gracious to have loving parents um, that, that they gave me everything that I needed. I was spoiled, if you will, I guess, but uh, they loved me. They showed me love in material things also, which I guess uh, kind of makes you kind of selfish in, in a way. And I've always been selfish my whole life until I found God. So at the age of seven, my parents divorced. And this, it put a seed of resentment in my heart because I figured that people should love each other forever, right? That's how God's love is. That it's, it's, ever, it's boundless. It's limitless. And I thought that human love should be like that too. And that's not the case with human love. God's love is the only thing that is boundless. Um, so I went and lived with my mom. And my mom started falling off. She, got, she lost her job. She got laid off. She, her mom died. And she started using drugs. She started abusing her, her uh, prescription pills, Xanax. Prozac, and she started drinking heavily, and uh, I never really noticed it too much because she hid it from me, obviously, and I just didn't notice it. I was naive. I was sheltered. So I was 14 years old. That happened from 7 to 14. At 14 years old, uh, I came home one day, and my mom, she, she, she died in her sleep. She overdosed, and I didn't really understand what was going on. Um, I didn't understand why. I, did, I didn't know. I didn't know anything. I was left in, in the dark of what, of the reason why she died. I just knew that she passed away. And, and, and in my heart, I wanted to blame something, somebody, because I was so angry. And I wanted to direct my anger at something. And uh, I didn't know who to direct it to. I didn't know how to do it besides use drugs. And then the next year, I started using drugs. Cocaine, marijuana, alcohol, anything to fill that void, anything to feel accepted by others, just to feel some kind of acceptance. And uh, that went on from 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. I kept using harder drugs, and uh, eventually I it landed me in prison. Um, at 21, I went to prison the first time, and I got out, and I went back, and I got out, and I went back. I've been to prison three times, all because of drugs and alcohol, all because the devil has tricked me into thinking that this is what I need to fill the void in my life, even though I really need Christ Jesus, this love to fill the void in my life. And so this last time I, I, I got out of prison, uh, I started using intravenously, methamphetamine and heroin, and I was living in a motel, and I OD'd, I overdosed twice in May, this, this May. I overdosed twice, and by the grace of God, it's a blessing that I am even here because I was resuscitated, and, and I was not breathing, and I was it, was, it was horrible. So I got out of the hospital the second time, and I went home, and I looked at my phone, and there were two messages from people who I had talked to 
they were friends I hadn't talked to in like, a, let's say like a year probably, and I pushed them away because of my drug use. And that same day, my buddy's dad came to the door. And all these people, they came to the door and they asked me, are you, are you okay? Like, do you need help? Like something like along those lines. And I messaged them back and I, and I was like, what made you just message me? What made you come to the door and ask me if I needed help? They had no idea that I just overdosed. And they said, something told me to message you. Something told me to come here and tell you this. And I was taken aback a little bit because they, I, I didn't understand. Because it's hard to understand God's ways because it's mysterious. It, it's, it's omnipresent. It's very, it's hard to understand. And we, I don't think we're ever going to be able to understand it. But at that time, I didn't understand it at all. I had no idea that God was trying to talk to me through these people because that's how God works. And I didn't understand that. I'm still confused by it. And... So, and then the next day, my dad comes and says, I want you to go to Teen Challenge. And he had no idea that I just overdosed either. And all these people are trying to tell me to go to Teen Challenge. And so I went, and I love it. It's, 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 I have no shame anymore. I, I, I let Jesus into, into my heart, and I love, I love what God does to me and for me and for others. And, 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 his, and his love is flowing through my heart, and I'm I try to be a blessing to everyone because I try to be lively. I'm very, I'm amped up. I'm, I'm always hyper because of God's love inside of me. And that's, that's the only explanation for it. And uh, what I want to, whenever I leave, whenever I, I get done with Teen Challenge, I want to help others. I want to minister. I want to preach the gospel. So I found a verse that how Pastor Jake was talking about how we, we defend God. It's uh, Philippians I don't have it memorized yet because my memory is horrible. It's Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and those in heaven, and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, and it hasn't always been easy, but I am blessed now because I have a new hope in Christ. Thank you. Good job, Colin. Good job. Listen, beloved, if, if you've experienced salvation in Jesus Christ, you are blessed, aren't you? You are blessed. You are the recipient of this ultimate and eternal blessing because Christ has given you his righteousness. There's been this great exchange, but that eternal cosmic sort of righteousness, that heaven view, it has to produce something here, a produce a, a kind of righteousness in your life. In other words, you're blessed, and this is how you should be a blessing. Stop using your words for evil. Stop running towards evil and do good instead. Start pursuing peace at all times. And start defending the reason for the hope you have in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your grace and your mercy upon our lives. Thank you for these three men, Steve, John, and Colin, in uh, the, the miracles that you've done in their lives. I pray for all of the men over here in Teen Challenge that are here today and and the women in the women's program here in the Peoria area, God, I just pray that, that it would stick, that your, that your love and mercy and grace would be so 
attractive and intoxicating that they would want to be in that more than anything else. And let that also be true of us in this room. Um, I pray for the person in this room who has yet to completely give their life over to you. The person who has questions. God, I pray that just like your word says, that we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb, the blood of Jesus, and the word of our testimony. Just like your word says today, God, I pray that the words of these testimonies would overcome the lies of the enemy in the hearts of many in this room. God, that these seeds of your gospel truth, your life transformation, these truths from 1 Peter chapter 3 about righteousness and blessing, these truths from life transformation from these men and from other testimonies we hear, God, that these these seeds would, would go into the hearts of many and find good soil there, that they would take root and they would eventually and maybe even immediately bear fruit. Today, I ask in your name that anyone in this room who has yet to give their life over to you would do so right now, would make a decision for you, and that they would be absolutely and completely transformed, blessed to be a blessing. It's in your holy and precious name that we pray. Everybody said amen. Why don't you stand with me? Here's my prayer for you today. May you run after the ultimate eternal blessing of God that comes only through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. May that blessing you receive produce a desire to be a blessing in your life in ways that matter. And may you always be prepared to defend, explain, and proclaim the reason for the hope you have in Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Talk this over with your life group this week. Hey, um, I'm glad you're here. We're going we're gonna to sing a song. The band is going to sing and play, but you don't get to sing and play because we're out of time and we have another service that needs to come in, all right? And so you can feel dismissed. Actually, you are not dismissed. You are sent. Go out and be a blessing to those who need it. Be a light in a dark place. God bless. We'll see you next week.